Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm Yon Swim Lou, joining me on the podcast. Podcast favorite. Big V, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Sun's out, getting more time outside. It's mm. looking good. Stress, stress-free NBA playoffs. <laughs> yeah, stress, um, stress-free because uh, you know, unfortunately, we're out, man. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately. But yeah, I know we're gonna get more into that. Other than that, you know, club season for soccer is done, but Euro's coming up. We're gonna get mm-hmm. into that too. I see you rocking that France jersey. I should have worn my Dutch jersey if I knew. You should have, man. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's still time to change. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's get the Raptors stuff out of the way because there's obviously nothing happening with the Raptors. Like I was like really <laughs> just to double check. I was like, all right, I'm gonna go on Reddit. There's a function on Reddit where you can just like look up like the top items for the last week, and yeah. it's like a nice way to like you know if you're gonna do a weekly show, just go through that see what you've, you missed because everything will end up on Raptors Reddit anyway, eventually. And nothing, yeah. a- absolutely nothing. There's like the 15 out of the top 20 are probably Kawhi posts, um, which, yeah, you know, listen, it's 2019 was cool. It was very, very cool. Experience of a lifetime. But yeah, there's not a lot going on right now in 2021, especially with the Raptors out. Um, you know, in terms of actual news items, you got Masai who is, um, you know, in uh, Africa right now attending the um, – the new league there and honestly shaking hands with some uh, very, very highly ranked politicians. So, you know, this, uh, this is, this is honestly just Masai's hobby is just doing this bigger than basketball. <laughs> yeah. It's uh anyway, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, hopefully he, he signs, obviously I, I didn't think he was going to sign before he left for the trip. I know he came back to Toronto to do the, the press conference, which was great, but um, hopefully there's a decision with Masai soon the draft is not that far away like it's like you know about a month and a half two months but um you know in the meantime though I I, I hope uh you know the Raptors are preparing and everything like that I'm, I'm sure there are in terms of actual Raptors stuff the only thing I really wanted to talk Raptors and stuff uh, specifically was sort of looking at the Eastern Conference and sort of assessing sort of where the Raptors rank right now so obviously 
if the Raptors were healthy, would have been a different situation this season. Um, and if the Raptors were in Toronto, it would be a different situation. Um, and so ha- having seen what you've seen from the playoffs in the East so far, what which tier would you put the, a healthy Raptors team in? Because I think you're seeing some truths about some teams that, um, you know, like Miami, for example, that were very, very uh, evident throughout the season, but they were still overhyped. And, um, yeah, know, that might be a big front. So. I think I would put a healthy Raptors team around that Atlanta Hawks tier. Like I think okay. they're better than the Knicks because you see the way the Knicks are struggling for offense and like Randall's first playoff appearance, RJ mm. Barrett's first playoff appearance, and they, they're just struggling to create. And they obviously don't have a true point guard. Yep. Uh, so I would put the Raptors above the Knicks, but I feel like if they if if they were healthy and played the Hawks, like I feel like that would be a really interesting series. It would be. Yep. Well, I mean, you know, I think there's things that the Raptors could do against Atlanta that, um, you know, like for example, Atlanta doesn't really have like a scoring post player in that kind of way. Like, you know, obviously Pascal, I think he could probably do a lot of damage in that series. Um, Trey Young wouldn't be doing what he's doing, right? Like when you talk about putting yeah. Fred Van Vliet on him, like he's going to be working a lot harder. Well, I mean, you, you just know first. First off, when you watch all these teams right now, like when, when all these teams get killed by one superstar, like I'm just I'm just imagining Nick Nurse laughing at the TV because there's no <laughs> way he would let this happen. Like, I mean, I've seen Trey Young have big games against the Raptors, so I'm not even saying that this is yeah. not possible. I'm just saying that the Raptors would definitely do everything they can to take the ball out of his hands. And then live with like getting beat by DeAndre Hunter or Kevin Herter or all these other guys, which you might still get beat anyway. Because I feel like Atlanta has pretty good depth, but Bogdanovich has been incredible, bro. Like every time you watch them, it's like if the Bucks didn't blow that sign and trade. Oh my god! Like I'd be, I'd be pretty confident about the Bucks' chances against the Nets if they had Bogdanovich. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm I'm almost there. Honestly, I might almost be there anyway with the Bucks, and we'll talk about that in a bit too. But yeah, Bogdanovich yeah. has been like ridiculously good. I think since if you go from just uh, the end of April, because every single time I watch a, a Hawks game, like he's been on, on incredible since the end of April. Um, so uh, a- April first to or the start of April to um, uh, the end of the regular season on May thirteenth, he averaged twenty two points per game, four assists, four rebounds, shot fifty percent from three on nine attempts per game. <laughs> And shot fifty percent from the, from two as well. So this guy was ridiculous. And of course, so far he's been he's been he's honestly cooled off just a little bit. But like he's still a, the guy who's making a ton of big shots. I think defensively he's been pretty impressive there too. And I, to be honest, I, I think Atlanta defensively as a whole, I just didn't see them being this good defensively. But like I think Clint Capella should really get more love. Like he might be like obviously Embiid's the best center in the East. But like past that, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, am I missing something? Yeah, or? I mean. I I had Capella on my fake like all NBA third team. Whoa! Um, I I think he's been wow that good for the Hawks. Uh, also partially because like in my first team I put both Embiid and Jokic, so okay, they opened okay. up like a center spot. All right. Um, but yeah, I think Capella's been that good. I think his rim protection is elite. Like he, you, he's definitely in the conversation with like Gobert and Embiid when it comes to that rim protection. Um. Yep. And yeah, they can't they can't keep him off the glass. And he's he's pretty mobile as well, right? That that was one yeah, of the yeah. things I found weird about the Rockets moving on from Capella because like yeah, I get the Warriors played him off the court, but that's like 
they were so zoned in on just like how do we beat the Warriors that like mm-hmm. losing him took them away from being able to beat the other teams. <laughs> it's like okay, you got to get to the Warriors too. Yeah, and I also didn't really like the idea of like okay, so because Westbrook can't shoot, we can't have two non-shooters, so we, we're gonna have to move Capella because we have Westbrook, and it's like. Well, you end up having Westbrook for a year, <laughs> and then yeah, yeah, it didn't really work out great for you guys. Yeah, Westbrook, a- historically, like he's actually operated better when he has like that legit rim threat, that yeah. lob threat, right? Yeah. And so, taking that away, I think hurt him as well. Yeah, and, and um, I, I, that's the thing I always appreciate about playoff basketball just a little bit is like I think the ability to score at the rim is just so important, and um. I think it gets more magnified, especially when teams like lock in more with the rotations. I think just like open threes are just harder to come by unless you play like, um, quite honestly, unless you play in the West, because every time I watch a West game outside of the Lakers and the, and the Suns who are playing good defense. But outside of that, the other three series is just like wide open looks all the time. I'm just I'm slightly annoyed, honestly. But yeah. no, especially when you look in the East, like the physicality level is, is really high. It's really hard to get these open threes. And again, just guys who can score at the rim or make an impact on the rim is so valuable. Um, and Capella, obviously a guy who's just doing lobs and, and rebounding, but like, again, it's, it's been, it's been amazing to watch um, the Hawks dismantle the, the Knicks like this. Honestly, though, the Knicks collapsing, they're kind of a big fraud. Miami's kind of a big fraud. Um, what did you make of the Bucks Miami series? Like, do you think that it's, it's really just Milwaukee's that good? Or do you think that Miami, especially outside of the bubble, like, I, I like, I saw people saying that Jimmy Butler, Stanley Johnson with a coffee shop. Like, is that, is that true? <laughs> You know, I will say that Jimmy probably deserves more criticism than he's gotten. Absolutely. And, like, he, he's, he's gotten a pass just because of, like, he does talk a good game. And he's obviously one of the hardest workers in the league, waking mm-hmm. up at 2 a.m. to start his day. Um, but, yeah, I do, I do think he deserves more criticism. He's kind of, re- like, rejected that three-point shot. And you've seen how that's hurt him in this series. It didn't hurt, hurt him last year because mm-hmm. uh, the Bucks are frauds. And I think the way the Bucks have changed now, like they're using Brook Lopez more on the interior. He's gone back to being like that post-up guy that can get you buckets inside. Drew Holiday is obviously a crazy upgrade over Eric yeah. Blood. So, um, so I think that series just functionally played out differently and the Heat couldn't cope. And yeah, you look at, you know, obviously Duncan Robinson had, had a few stretches, um, but I think one of the biggest things that we forget about with Miami last year is they had two key pieces of their rotation, uh, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Harrow in the playoffs, not having to worry about, you know, r- real playoff atmospheres as rookies. Right, right. Yep. And they never had to face that. And so I think that gave them an advantage. Um, and then we saw a little bit that, you know, this this year things were very different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, <laughs> it takes a lot of effort to, or it takes a lot of um, composure to uh, to win at Pfizer form, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, by the way, Bucks fans are like really following uh, Tyler Hero's dad around going into bathrooms and whatnot which is which is quite odd if you've seen that video it's odd on multiple levels but um yeah in, in terms of this series like I, I just think that like look Miami had problems all year um they, they kind of got hotter towards the end of the season and I think Jimmy honestly was like sensational in the regular season but I just think that in this series it felt like I don't know I mean a is just I think Milwaukee upgraded the roster but I just think that there were some real flaws in Miami's game that like 
you saw some limitations. Like I think the fact that Jimmy can't shoot is really just a, a huge problem. Like if you have the physicality, if you if you play drop defense, if you keep a guy at the rim who, you know, I mean, honestly, Brooke Lopez has looked like a defensive liability sometimes in the playoffs. Even honestly, last year when they played um, they, this very same Heat team, but this time around, I thought Brooke was ridiculously good defensively, especially because, like, it seemed like Bam and Jimmy, these guys just wouldn't drive into the paint. Um, and, yeah, the jumpers just weren't there. Like, Jimmy didn't trust the jumper. He didn't really – he couldn't hit the jumper. I mean, he shot 29% from the field in this series and yeah. 26% from three. Like, that's awful for 14 points a game. Um, and then Bam. Bam was very disappointing as well. And Bam's also a guy who's like, I thought this season, because Jimmy was out, because the Heat had obviously multiple absences, as every team has this season, um, and, and I thought Bam stepped up for a little bit there, expanded his scoring skill set, got into the mid-range, um, you know, was hitting a lot of shots from that mid-range, even the long two um, area, but that also dried up for him to the point where he just wasn't even willing to take those shots. And so it was weird to see Miami so shook. You know what I mean? And yeah. and then, yeah, the rest of the roster is just mad old. I don't know, man. The Heat just don't look that great. Like, I'm not really sure what they're going to do in the offseason, but they've really lost a lot of shine from last year. It was it was a bad sign that game one, right? The fact that Milwaukee shot five of 31 from three, yep. struggled at the free throw line, and still found a way to win. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe if Miami pulls out that game, like the vibes feel different and Milwaukee feels that pressure all over again and things play out at least a bit more closely than they did. But that game one was a bad sign. If you couldn't come away with that game, it was going to be trouble. And then obviously uh, Milwaukee's shooting regressed back to the mean and it was pretty much a wrap from there. Yeah. No, Milwaukee's scary. And we'll, we'll talk about Bucks uh, Nets uh, in, in a bit, but I think in terms of tiers, so uh, you know, I think Philly has done enough to be in that top tier along with Milwaukee and and and, and with Brooklyn. Like, I think that's pretty clear uh, based on what's happened this season. Um, obviously, Philly lost the game yesterday, maybe lost and beat for a little bit, which is huge. But, I mean, obviously, a fully healthy Sixers team is very good. Um, that next tier, who would you have in that next tier? Because that next tier could be, could be like six teams, could be like three teams. Because you know I mean? <laughs> the East does have like a weird talent kind of thing. Like it, it, it really is. Obviously, in the regular season, there are yeah. three teams that kind of distinguish themselves. But um, Knicks, Hawks, Heat, Celtics, Wizards, Pacers, Hornets, Raptors. Like, do you see that all as one morass, or do you see one team in that group maybe distinguishing itself, sort of being like a tier B? Uh, I, if I had to pick one based on what we've seen, and obviously, like, it's hard to say much about what the Raptors will be next season because there's so much in flux in terms of the decisions they have to make. If I had to pick one based on what we've seen, I'd probably say the Hawks. Like, I think, okay. I think they've been really solid. Like, I think to me, they're clearly above the Knicks. I think they would have beat the Heat. Um, them, the Celtics would have been interesting if Jalen Brown was healthy. So I think the fact that... Yeah, so I, I I think the fact that they were able to get a game off the Nets um, without him, like Marcus Smart, like people will love him, people will hate him, but um, like he's the heart and soul of that team. And you see how much of an influence he has in, in their compete level. Like even that last game, like they weren't really in it. And obviously, like you had Durant, Kyrie and Harden combining for over 100 points like you're not going <laughs> to compete with them on those nights but yeah. they never really gave in right and I think that comes down to Marcus Smart um and so yeah I think the Celtics 
Hawks, Raptors fully healthy. Like th- that would have all been interesting to see. Um, I think the Raptors would have given the Bucks a better run for their money than the Heat. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's unfortunate the way things played out uh, in Tampa. But, mm. you know, uh, at the end of the day, I think they'll, they'll be happy with the time off. Yeah. Playing for what? Uh, playing for what, honestly? No, I, and it's it's honestly like what which playing team has looked that great? I mean, the, the Lakers were a playing team technically. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, even the Grizzlies, like, obviously they took game one, but, like, they can't get any stops. That was without Donovan Mitchell, too, right? So Exactly. No Donovan Mitchell. And I don't want to take anything away from that Grizzlies team. Like, I think they were, like, really impressive. Like, a, a lot of guys are stepping up for them. Like, I, honestly, I've, Kyle Anderson and Dylan Brooks have been awesome, like, as, as, yeah. as, a, as a group. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's just not enough. And they just don't play cohesively defensively. They don't really have, like, a guy in the middle who can – solidify your defense like that and like as much as i love jb like every single time i'm watching this game i'm like all right so they're gonna run pick and roll at him and he's gonna just get scored on or commit a foul and it's like you know it, it's tough it's it's tough watching some of these clubs but um yeah i agree with you i think honestly i think alana just with their young age as well like i think there's just a lot of guys there um who are on the rise together obviously trey young being the leader of that group um and Boston as well. Like you can't, you really can't deny what Tate has been doing. I, I know we would like to slander Tatum, but like it's it's kind of ridiculous the way he's scoring. I think the he's Nets a legit aren't, superstar. Yeah, yeah. Like in honestly, in a game against Kyrie, James Harden, and KD, Jason Tatum looked better than all three of those guys in Game Three. Now I'm not saying that that's you know what the level he's at consistently, but he's literally put up 90 points in the last two games. And you might say, well, this is an indicative of a problem. Like the Nets don't really have great wing defenders and that could really stunt them going forward. They don't have a lot of rim protection. They don't really play defense that hard, quite honestly. But I mean, it's, it's absurd the way Tatum's been moving. He's the way he's been attacking. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even need to talk Raptor fans. So it's like, we saw this last year, right? Like, you know, yeah. Tatum was the guy who heard the Raptors like by far the most. Um, the only thing with the Celtics that I'm a little concerned, I mean, not a little concerned, but majorly concerned is like, I don't really feel like they have any depth at all. Right. Like, so, so Tatum and Brown, I believe in absolutely smart. He's good enough that he's, he's, he's okay. Although he would ideally be like a, a fourth option. Do you know what I mean? And then, yeah. I mean, Kemba has just been just, I just don't trust that man whatsoever. Um, no. He has not yeah. been good in the playoffs. Yeah, He's, but I mean, just looking to the future, like I really like Robert Williams. Like, yeah, obviously he's hurt, but I, th- I think you know he's the type of big that like fits into like the way the game is played today. Like his rim protection is really good. His dive threat is really good. Um, obviously, in terms of like defensive maturity and understanding positional defense and that type of stuff, like he's got to improve. But yeah. I like him as like a future core piece. Yeah, I, th- I think honestly, out of all the young guys, like he's he's probably the best one um, out of that group. Although that mostly just speaks to like how poor the rest of the young guys are. Like, are, do you like? I mean, I, I know Peyton Pritchard hurt the Raptors a few times, but like, <laughs> it's just a, it's just a very uninspiring group from a team that had a lot of picks. And like, I don't think Evan Fournier is really a guy that's making that much of an impact. Um, certainly not a guy you would trust to go into playoffs with. Maybe as a bench guy, maybe, but. Not, even still, he's just not very inspiring. And then, yeah, Kemba is just making so much money. And, you know, the flexibility of this team is not that great, to be honest. They still, I mean, 
unless they can convert Robert Williams into like a full-time starter, which I think a lot of people are probably arguing for anyway, considering he shoots 70% from the field as a, as a lob dunker and obviously can post crazy block stats, but he still feels like a guy that you don't feel a hundred percent secure because of his decision-making. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, once you get past that first group, like the second group is a little shaky and, you know, I think the Raptors are at the bottom of that third group. And this is not really just me being a homer. Like, I really do think that, like, a healthy Raptors, if they re-sign Kyle, if they re-sign Kem, if they re-sign Gary Trent, would be at the bottom of that group. And I really don't, like, and I know you might say that's a little wild because the Raptors finished 18 games under 500. Like, I do think so much of that was circumstance. Um, And in terms of quality, like, I don't, the one thing the Raptors don't have is that, like, Trey Young star-level quality. Um, they don't really have that Tatum star level quality, but I think they have way more depth. Like I, I there's seven guys in the Raptors that would trust. Whereas in Atlanta, there's like, well, actually Atlanta has good depth too. That's probably why they're the top of this, this sort of B tier. And then Boston has zero depth, like beyond three guys. Yeah. You know, so. And then the rest of the conference is just not good. Like Miami is so old at this point. Like it's. See, the thing with Miami is that can change pretty quickly in the offseason, right? Depending, yeah. like, the, the outlook, you look at them differently if they get Kyle Lowry, right? Mm. I do, but, like, are they going to get Kyle, though? Are, are you worried that Miami flaming out like this is going to prompt them to go after Kyle? I mean, I do think they will go after him. I think if the Clippers, you know, we, we still got to see if they beat the Mavericks, um, if the, if the Clippers flame out, I could, I see them going after Kawhi. Uh, um, so, uh, yeah, one of those two names, I think w- would again, you know, put Miami back up into that mix, at least that, you know, that second tier mix. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think we got to see how that stuff plays out in the off season, but right now where each team is, I think you have it right where, you know, it's Atlanta, Boston, and then probably Toronto if they were healthy. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, I, I don't really see anyone else from the bottom groups jumping up. There's just not a lot of potential with like the Pacers, for example. They were very uninspiring. Um, the Hornets uh, looked super, super young. I mean, in, in the regular season, when you can play up tempo, guys are dunking. It's great. In a playoff setting, you know, I don't really trust that this is your bank. Like even LaMelo Ball, we only saw him play that one um playing game and i don't think anyone saw it because it was like a 30 point slap <laughs> by the indiana pacers i don't know if people were clearing their rosters or they're scheduled to watch uh hornets pacers but you know someone uh, saved miles turner yeah <laughs> yeah seriously i mean listen you know i, I feel like a, I, I like a lot of players on the hornets just all of them together at the same place just doesn't scream playoff team to me the wizards are mm-hmm. clearly just not a very good team um Westbrook has real issues when it comes to the playoffs that's sort of when teams can really guard him do you think um, anything happens with Beal this summer I still don't think so I think Beal really likes being a big dog in a small small pond like when you see him like complaining this much about like the scoring title and things like this like I don't know I feel like he's just comfortable and I think Westbrook actually was a real big help for him so I think they probably bought himself another year which is pretty wild to say like he just doesn't seem yeah. as serious to me and then you know chicago you know i don't know to be honest the bulls are just always trash so like it, it's not even like us trying to gas the raptors so much as like the rest of the east is kind of bad but um mm-hmm. just just quickly uh if Jalen brown is healthy yeah who wins a series between the celtics and the hawks that's a good question um so the one thing that the knicks haven't been able to exploit with the hawks is that i don't feel like the hawks have that great wing defense 
now they have DeAndre Hunter, who I think is really good. Um, young guy, you know. Uh, and they're missing Cam Reddish. Who's they're missing helping? Cam Reddish, but realistically, Cam Reddish is not stopping either Tatum or Brown. It's not yeah, a guy you trust for like to play 30 minutes at the moment, um, even though he did show good flashes. But yeah, I just think they're one wing defender short on that front. So like the Knicks, for example, they can't really get at Gallinari. But to be honest, yeah. them, them not getting at Gallinari is hilarious. Gallinari is playing like he's one of the most unathletic players. It's actually incredible to watch. Yeah. Um, but it's because Randall obviously has been struggling so much that like Gallinari is able to use his strength, just play back and sort of absorb a lot of hits. Um, I, mm, this is a really good question. I think the series goes seven. I think the Hawks have better forwards in terms of or like better centers in terms of just like a better front court. Yeah. Um, and they have a distinct advantage at point guard. Although I do think that if you put smart on, on Trey Young, he's not going to dance around on the way he's doing right now against the, the, the thing is, yeah, they just have no depth. Right. So like if, if, if over the course of the series, you lose one guy, like, I just feel like Boston is just so short. So I think I might still go with Atlanta. What about you? I think I'm going Celtics because yep. of the experience factor. I think I think I think Nick, the Knicks inexperience has played into this a little bit. I think yeah, about sure. that battle at the point guard, and it's like I'm, I'm surprised with uh, how relatively little uh, physical pressure the Knicks have put on Trey Young. Yep. I thought they'd really try and rough him up, especially for Tom Thibodeau team. Mm-hmm. I thought they'd do more of that, especially, you know, and then even on the offensive end, like, I don't think they've hunted him as much as they should. or. But could. they can't really, though. That's the thing. They don't have that many great wing creators. They don't have any great yeah. wing creators, unfortunately. Like, Derrick I mean, Rose been, is doing his best, but, I mean, come on, man. Yeah, so the Hawks have been hiding young on um, Reggie Bullock. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's got to be ways to, like, just get switches and, um, just target it a bit more. Obviously, it's not something you can do all the time, but I think they've done it less than I thought they would have. Yeah, uh, I agree. And so I think that's something the Celtics would be smarter about. Like even, even in the Raptors series, we saw it, right? Like mm-hmm. once they've kind of figured out the Raptors defense and Nick Nurse's schemes, like like they did get shots that they wanted. Um, there were a lot of missed shots. I mean, I think that comes down to the talent level that we talked about and the lack of depth. Yeah. But I, th- I think they did get plenty of good looks. And I think we did complain a lot about, you know, those corner threes that, you know, the Raptors oh. usually feel comfortable contesting uh, in the regular season. It, it really bit them in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, I mean, it also helped that uh, Marcus Smart turned into Ray Allen for a few weeks there. <laughs> to, uh, yeah. I don't know. That series is, it's tough, but I mean, I'm happy it went seven because it was a great series. Honestly, one of the series of the entire playoffs, but yeah, yeah, it hurts to look back on. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's very interesting. And I think that probably will be a future matchup that we'll see because I don't really see Boston with the depth that they have being a top of the East, right? So you might see that as a 4-5 matchup like as soon yeah. as next season. Um, I was going to ask, to the Kyle Lowry point about the Heat, um, there's been some conversation about, you know, obviously, I think Raptor fans, we're trying our very best to sort of ch- chime in and gloat. Um, you know, it, I, I just, for me personally, it hasn't really, like, it doesn't really resonate with me in terms of like as a great bit of banter that like you know, this team should have traded for Kyle Lowry like you know it just feels a little weird like you should have <laughs> you should have taken my wife and it's like well that's this is a little strange in any case though like w- with Kyle which teams 
out of the three that were interested, I mean, well, four, I guess the Clippers, but I didn't really think the Clippers had anything to offer. Um, out of the three teams that were interested in Kyle, Lakers, Heat, Sixers, which team could have really used Kyle Lowry to make a difference, um, in a tangible difference? I think for me, the Lakers, you know, it would have been shorter, KCP and THT. Uh, I, to be honest, I don't even know if the Raptors would have said yes to that. That doesn't seem like a very good package. But right. um, to me, at the Lakers could have tangibly used Kyle and, and, and more than the, the Heat and the Sixers to me. But what, let me let me hear your take on this. Which team could have used Kyle the most? I think I'm with you on the Lakers. I mean, especially when you look at that Chris Paul matchup, they would yeah. it, that would have been so much fun to watch. Just oh my Kyle God. and CP just <laughs> trying to pull out every trick in the book. The reps just <laughs> just pure shit housery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the only word for it it's just shit how's it yeah exactly and yeah. So i think that would have been incredible to watch uh so I, I i think the lakers one would have been the best i think uh it would have been interesting at least more interesting to watch uh lowry on the heat uh than the sixers in the series against the bucks what would it have made a difference though like what Ultimately, I think the Bucks still win. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, so that's that's why I still say that the Lakers that that would have been the most interesting one. Mm. Um, I will throw in uh, a wild card because this team wasn't involved in, in any trade talks, but they're okay. gonna have cap space, and I think a team like Dallas. Oh yeah, you put Kyle Lowry next to Luka Doncic. Mm. I mean, even even that game three start that they got out to, right? Yeah. I think someone like Kyle Lowry, he manages. Uh, those non-Luca minutes way better, and he's sort of you know keeps the ship afloat, and they probably pull out that game, and then the series is over. Uh, but I think that would be a very interesting team for Kyle to consider. I was gonna make a joke about the way Dallas acquires players, but that feels a little unfair in this case. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I, I just see Dallas like I, I think they have bigger ambitions. Um, but I mean, they could absolutely use Kyle. Like, I think Luca clearly needs a number two. Like, you know, I, I think Tim Hardaway Jr. has played great in, in certain spurts. He's cooled off. Chris Tapps is just Chris Tapps is just not good. <laughs> he's honestly like giving off huge Barnani vibes. It's actually amazing. The thing is, he's like way more suited to playing modern basketball, right? Like, he's 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 bigger first off, and, and he's quicker. But like he just like stands around. He's just like kind of he's very stiff. And then like when guys like if he has a mismatch, all he does is just shoot the jumper over the guy, which is like, yeah, yes, you can get the shot because you're like a foot taller than him, but like you're not good at making these mid-range shots. I don't know. Chris Tapps is like very someone has to man. constantly remind him that he's seven three. Yeah. Well, again, this is the conversation we had with Barnani. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually kind of amazing. To be honest, like that that Chris Tapps. <laughs> trade with new york like it turns out the, the prize of that trade was was tim hardaway jr which, which and he was a throw-in he was a contract throw-in but you know seriously though the roster is just not very good and this is a, a trend that you see across the league like there's just not a lot of depth in a yeah. lot of these teams like the mavericks don't have a lot of tangible depth like a lot of guys can play because luca is a system onto himself so you can plug in pieces it's not as big of a deal but like when it comes to a playoff setting, one guy sort of zero in on a guy. If, if Luca gets a small injury like he's having right now with his neck, then yeah, you really see that there's no more creation on that roster. I agree with you, Kyle would have definitely impacted there. But like, you know, the Sixers, for example, it's a little too early to, you know, rate that one. But I thought the best fit for Kyle would have been with Philly. Um, obviously, like the the beyond the hometown connection itself. But the, the trade itself would have been Danny Scott, uh, uh, What's his name? Um, 
Mike Scott, Raptor Killer, obviously, Tyrese Maxey, and then two firsts. That was, I think, reportedly what what the deal was going to be. As a Raptor fan, I want that that is that would have been a trade that interested me. Um, yeah. If only so that Danny can finally get his ring. Um, it's been two plus years now, <laughs> and with Kyle, like I think he would have fit that team so well. I mean, obviously, they have obviously more than enough to beat the the the, the Wizards. Yeah, even with the Wizards taking one game, but. I don't know. This is this is where if you really were serious about the championship, like the Sixers are going to play, assuming Embiid is healthy, they're going to crush whichever one is going to come out between the Heat or the Knicks or the, the, the Hawks or the Knicks. Like they're just going to beat those that team. They're going to walk I'm to the conference finals. To see how the Hawks Hawks go against no, Philly? Come on, man. The size like the size is going to just absolutely. I mean, I, I think even with the Knicks, they have size, but it's a different level of size when you're talking about like post play. Like I don't think Capella can guard nearly as well in the post as he can as a help defender. Right. But I'm I'm just curious. I, f- I feel like they could potentially get a couple games. Yeah. I mean, they, they can. I think if Philly... I feel really clamp- flat without Embiid. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe he misses game one uh, of that series. Maybe he misses a couple games in that series. Who knows? All right. Well, I'm saying a healthy Philly would, would, would easily handle Atlanta, in my opinion. But yeah. I mean, like, you know, if you're a team that's going to guarantee basically to walk to the conference finals and at that point, it, it's really about how much top 10 talent you have. Like, and you, you really look back at this run, you're like, wow, we went to the conference finals, but for some reason we didn't trade for Kyle Lowry and we have, you know, Danny Green and, and, and Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. Like that's a real missed opportunity, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, I agree. Like Sixers Hawks, the most likely outcome would probably be like a gentleman's sweep. Like, yeah. With him being healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but I just think watching more and more like the Hawks offensive talent and Bogdanovich again, like he has that playoff swag and like, yeah. you see, like Giannis said, he wanted him because of what he saw in like the in an actual play, right? Like the fact that he just loved those moments and you're yep. seeing that again, um, here. So I think he would have been a factor in the series as well in terms of the trade. Uh, yeah, like. This trade, I think this is something that the Sixer, Sixers w- will miss. But um, it seemed like they, w- like the Raptors wanted Danny and Thibel. Uh So that's where I was kind of like, from the Sixers' perspective, if you're giving up, if you're losing Danny and Thibel, like mm-hmm. you're going to go into, yeah, you're going to go into a series against the Nets with nothing. Yeah. I, I was a little surprised that there were that insistent on Thibault. I mean, if, if that was, you know, reportedly true, like, yeah. I, I think I, I like Thibault, but I also do think that, like, situationally, he's in the perfect spot. Like, yeah. first off, everyone on Philly in, in the perimeter can play extra aggressive um, because they have Embiid. Like, just it, it's it's a level of protection that you can't really replicate almost anywhere else, maybe with Utah, but you don't even see Utah's uh, perimeter defenders that aggressive. They play conservative mostly. Um, like the the Sixers really capitalize on, which is smart. That's exactly the strategy. But I do wonder if you don't have that line of protection behind them, like how much. I I I mean, I think Thibault and Simmons would still be sensational defenders. So would Danny, but like, um, there's a drop off, and then offensively, he, he's he's a minus. Yeah. So for the Sixers, like if they were just giving up the one wing, whether it be Danny or Thibault, then mm. I would do it. But to lose both, 
then I, I don't know how much that changes their like championship aspiration. Yeah. I think that was the issue with the, the Laker trade too. Is just like, you were just taking too many pieces off that roster. The thing is the Lakers didn't have as much depth either. Right. Um, yeah. So if you're going to take Schroeder and KCP off that team and, and, and Kyle is obviously way better than both those guys, but. And THT. Yeah. And THT. Well, they haven't even played THT, which is a little strange. I feel like he could play. Yeah. In this series, but in any case, yeah, they're just not playing him. Um, so, yeah, it was solid for them down the stretch of the regular season. It was so it's, it's weird. I just I don't know what to expect from that guy. Like sometimes he's like really operating pick and rolls well, and you're like, wow, look at the size. He can drive to the rim. He can shoot. And then other times he just like he just struggles as a supporting player. So I could mm-hmm. I could see why he doesn't play. Yeah, you know I mean, like it's like if you don't have the ball in your hands, like can you still be effective? And it doesn't seem as much. So, right, yeah, it's interesting. To be honest, I, I think honestly at this point. You know, we'll we'll see what happens in the offseason, but I, I I'm starting to come around to the idea that like, look, the Raptors, if they're going to build from the middle and stay competitive, the best the best use of their money in terms of who's the best player they can get for that money is Kyle Lowry to me still. And so, even though I felt like okay, Kyle's probably moving on, it's probably the right choice. You know, the way I'm looking at it now, I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't hate it if Kyle's back. I mean, why would you hate if Kyle's back? You know, <laughs> where are you with that at, at this moment? Uh. I kind of lean towards looking at the future. Okay. Partially because I want, you know, with Pascal and Fred and OG, I, I kind of feel like it's time to take the training wheels off. And I feel like yeah. Kyle Kyle is that guy who just makes everything all right. And I think they need to be able to f- figure it out now. Mm-hmm. And so I think his guidance has been great to this point. And so... If you know, you, if you go into the off season, the way I look at it is, can you get in free agency something better than what was in the trade packages? And so, if you hypothetically get Rashawn Holmes and mm-hmm. another capable bench piece, that's I would I I would argue that's better than you know the trade offer that Miami had with you know Duncan Robinson as the face of the trade. You know what I mean? I would I would argue that that's better than um what the Lakers offered with THT as the face of the deal. So yeah. uh I, I look at it that way and so I, I kind of lean towards uh, just developing for the future and letting Kyle also, you know, go ahead and chase that championship somewhere else. Yeah. Um wh- one thing I've I've said about Kyle is sort of like um you know you 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 sign him to a reasonable deal and then in the future if you if you know, if you have more assets, you know, you can sort of move them. And I think in that in that line of thinking, it was just like, I think having reevaluated, that was wrong because with Kyle, he's at his point where he's talked about it in his in his season interview, like family and, and long-term fit is very important to him. He's got kids who are entering school. You don't want to move them between cities and stuff like that, just willy-nilly. Um, and obviously he's very close to his family. He's, he's kept them with them everywhere. So it's not a situation where you, you know, I, I don't, I think it's honestly almost a little bit disrespectful. I mean, um, to, to, to sign Kyle with the intention of trading him in like a year, to be honest, I think wherever Kyle signs, he's going to want to stay there for two years, at least maybe three. Yeah. So if, if Toronto wants to do that for him, then that's fine. But this, I, I don't think you can really realistically sign him and then try to trade him. So I think that does kind of cut down on uh, how willing I would be to, to, to sign Kyle. But I do think that like, again, the free agency class is just not very good. You know what right. I mean? So 
if you can get Kyle for like 20 mil, that's this that's definitely not bad. Like you could do a lot worse, but we'll see what happens with Kyle. Obviously there'll be tons of pl- uh, coverage there. I wanted to ask you a few more questions about, about the playoffs before we go on to uh, Canada basketball. And uh, they had some news this past week with them releasing their 21 man roster for training camp. Um, but three questions about the playoffs before we go. Um, yeah. Nets versus Bucks. Which team you got in that in that series? Because that's gonna be an incredible series. Yeah, that that is gonna be spectacular. I can't wait. Um, I tweeted before that I have an uncomfortable level of trust in the Bucks. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm glad it kind of played out the, to show why that is. And so I'm actually gonna go ahead and pick the Bucks. I, I think in terms of the defensive matchups, that's the first thing I look at. How are you gonna match up with Kyrie, Harden, mm. and Durant? You have Drew Holiday. For Kyrie, yeah. you have uh, you know PJ Tucker to to go at James Harden. You have Giannis for Durant, um, and when you look at uh, Giannis's ability to score inside, you know the Nets are really thin when it comes to protecting the interior, and so mm-hmm. I think that's something the Bucks will expose. Uh, and Drew Holiday is that dude, man. Like I think he's going to be a problem in that series. Uh, so. Uh, if I had to pick, I, I'd pick the Bucks in seven or maybe even six. Yeah, very rarely do you see Kyrie pressed because he's so talented and he's such a magician with the ball. Yeah. When he plays Drew Holiday, I really do feel like he's pressed. Not that he can't score on him, not that he can't do like uh, still get his offense, still get his shots off, but he just looks pressed. Like he has to work really hard offensively to get that going. And Kyrie's scoring is such a big part of uh, what Brooklyn does because all they do is score, they don't really guard. Like, it's a real issue when I watch. Okay, here's the thing. I, I'm not judging the Nets based on this first round because who cares? You know, you, you can walk into the series and you can win the series. It's not a real issue. Like, it doesn't, it, cool, Tatum had 50 points, they won a game, whatever, but they're going to yeah. win the series. Um, but then again, like, at what point are you supposed to judge the Nets, right? Like, you just, you couldn't judge them all season. You couldn't judge them last season. Uh, they weren't really available together, whatever. And then you go into the playoffs and you're just like, all right, so. They, they like to switch everything, which, okay. To be honest, it feels a little bit like lazy switching. Um, it doesn't feel like purposeful switching, whereas, like, you know, the way that the, the old Rockets teams used to really, really engage in switching, the way, you know, when the Warriors went small, they would go switch, but they were really aggressive. They were really into you. They were really interested in playing defense and using that switching to take advantages in terms of, you know, neutralizing a pick and roll, not allowing the roll man to dive, you know, um, you know, containing penetration, all that stuff that you get from switching. It just when the Nets switch, it feels lazy. Like okay, okay, so KD is gonna start the possession on Tatum, and then you know they're gonna call for a screen from like Tristan Thompson, and it's like okay, let's just give up that switch and let's make Blake Griffin guard Jason Tatum, and it's like why? Like it's the playhouse, man. Like it shows some intensity. Like I just don't feel like that, and I think a switching defense is not really the answer against uh, a team like Milwaukee. I think with Milwaukee, what you really want to do is pack the paint send extra bodies um, and then rotate out and trust that your rotations are going to come out and, and neutralize their shooters. Now they obviously have really good shooters, but I do think their passing is a little bit subpar uh, for a championship level team. But in any case, they'll put so much pressure on the rim that you do have to double. So all this sort of like switching and stuff like that, it's going to be much harder to do that against Milwaukee. 
And I just, I mean, like, when have you seen possessions where, like, the Nets are, like, super locked in, you know, ro- rotationally? One guy's picking up for the next guy. They're making multiple rotations. They're forcing a team into a 24-second shot clock violation. Have you ever seen the Brooklyn Nets force another team into a 24-second shot clock violation the way the Raptors used to do, like, in Game 7 against Philly? Like, they did that, like, six times or, like, against yeah. Brooklyn or against the Bucks. Like, I just, there's something there. I don't know. I mean, obviously, offensively, they can crush anybody, but... I'm kind of with you. I honestly, I, I, I do slightly lean bucks in this series as wild as this. I, I still like feel the most confident in their talent. Absolutely. But there's just something about the nets, man. I Do you think they should have, I don't think they should have traded Jared Allen actually in retrospect. Oh man. Like, why did they do that? They just put him in that trade extra. You know what I mean? To, uh, but I don't know if the Harden uh, trade happens otherwise. No. But he wasn't even re- he wasn't even going to Houston. He was just getting rerouted to like Cleveland for and Tar- Torian Prince. I don't I don't know to be honest. The message. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look back on that in terms of the salaries and stuff and see if yeah it adds up with without that. But they just have um, no size, man. Like no they size. Yeah. They don't, and so that that's the area that the Bucks will have to exploit. I think you know why this series is going to be so captivating is because when you look at the offensive trend the last few years, like this is like that ultimate test of, yeah. you know, just buying completely into skill ball. Right. And yeah. you've got three of the five most dynamic offensive talents in the league. And so if they can trump the bucks defense, I, I don't see why they wouldn't win the title after that. Uh, Cause in terms of the matchups, like you think of what, Philly could potentially throw at them. You think about what um, the Lakers could potentially throw at them. I guess maybe the Clippers would have an argument with Kawhi and PG, Mm. but I I think matchup wise, the Bucks probably present the biggest defensive threat. And so if they can overcome that, then they would be a huge statement in, Hey, this era right now, you buy into the skill. And we, we, we've seen like a mini version of that in the Hawks Knicks series where it's like, the skill, the offensive talent is just too much for, you know, a, a team that was like a top five defense. Yep. And so, yeah, this is, this is going to be really, really interesting to watch. Uh, who would you say are like the X factors? I, th- I think maybe like the easy one for Brooklyn is probably Bruce Brown, just because of the way he f- like fits in and the way he's been finishing so far and the way he's performed on the season. But yeah. who would you pick as an X factor on either side? Uh, Bruce Brown is is interesting to me because I felt like he was su- really effective in the regular season, but in a playoff setting, he's just he's super small. Like he's just really small. I I, I think you need more size to impact um, the series. Honestly, I, I really do think that like they're gonna need Jeff Green to get healthy. They're gonna yeah. need Jeff Green to be like they're gonna need Jeff Green to really be one of the I don't know, man. Like producing at a starter's level, let's say because um, mm-hmm. I do think he's really key to a lot of stuff. He gives them good size. And of course, if he could hit his threes as well, then he can space the floor too. Um, and then honestly, for the, for the bucks, it's a weird, it's a weird series to predict. Cause I do think that like a lot of these guys, it's really going to come down to the stars. So, um, but I, I do wonder how Brooke Lopez will, will hang in this series. Like, cause I think he was super important in, in beating Miami, but I think also think that Miami's guys weren't able to create shots off the, you know, they, I mean, like Jimmy and Bam weren't shooting jumpers. So it's very easy to play Brooke Lopez and have him sag at the rim. Yeah. Uh, I do wonder how much of that is going to be able to, he's going to be able to do with guys like, you know, James Harden, like 
um, KD, like Kyrie Irving, those guys are going to try to go at Brook Lopez all, all the time and play him off the floor. Now, this is a series where I do think that, like, the Bucks can go smaller. And so you, you could put in, like, let's say, you know, Bobby Portis-ish, um, but most likely P.G. Tucker to be small ball power forward and Giannis at five. And that's not as bad, but yeah, I don't know. To be honest, I, it's weird. It's a weird series in that I feel like both teams should play the other team's defensive strategy. Like, I think the Nets should really focus on, like, collapsing the paint and getting out to shooters. And I think the the the, the Bucks should really focus on switching. Because <laughs> I think they should go small and switch. I think that's probably the best way to beat um, and, Brooklyn. You know, you mentioned Brown and Lopez as potentially the X factors. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if there's possessions where we see the Nets have Brown defending Brook Lopez. Yeah, and that's that's true. What's but what's functionally different from last year to this year is as opposed to last year, maybe even the year before that, where the Bucks just wanted Brook Lopez to stand outside the three point line and give that spacing. Like they're happy for him to get in the post and take advantage of a mismatch and score. Yeah, and so, uh, but even with that, like the Nets might see that as a win. It's like, yeah, well, we're getting the ball out of Giannis's hands. We're getting the ball out of Drew's hands. Like, let him go at. You know, whoever it is on the mismatch inside. And yeah. So I think that's going to be interesting. I'll throw Bryn Forbes into the mix. I think the yeah. way he's been shooting the ball. He's been great. If it, yeah. If he can come in and, and, and he's got to get more minutes because Dante DiVincenzo was up, right? So uh, yeah. I think DiVincenzo would have been an easy pick for X Factor if he was healthy. Yeah, I think between the athleticism and stuff like that, he's kind of like their version of Bruce Brown. Yeah. So I, I think Bryn Forbes is going to be interesting to watch. I'm not me- expecting much out of Pat Connaughton, but no, he's not a serious uh, guy, man. Come on. <laughs> my favorite story, one of my favorite stories in the NBA is that Pat Connaughton is a construction worker. Like you really look it up, man. Um, so, oh man, yeah, this guy throwing bricks on and off the court. <laughs> Uh, remember that Pat Content game against the Raptors this season? He came in to hit like five threes, and Leo was like, "See, I told you about Pat Content." I, you know, I don't like when Leo does that. It's always about random guys, and he's like, "I told you this guy looked dangerous," and I'm like, "You didn't." Yeah, <laughs> you tell me everyone's I mean, dangerous, man. Come on, I mean it's the NBA. Obviously, everyone's good, but like, if the if the dudes played Euroleague or he's played for Syracuse, oh my Leo goodness, <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness, are- the way he showed love to um. With Mike James, <laughs> like Leo's definitely picking Mike James as the uh, as the X factor in the series. Yeah, sure, man. no doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then oh, right, I have two more playoff questions. Uh, who's going to win the West at this current moment? So obviously everything changes every game, right? Like the Lakers yeah. are looking great, then AD goes out, and they're t- they're now in a two two series. Uh, you know the Clippers were really down bad. Um, and now they're back in, and they look unstoppable. Yeah. I'm just going to ask you right now, who do you see winning the West? Man, I'm going to say the Lakers. I'm still going to Still going with them. the Lakers. I'm what, still about, what about AD? I think, I think the fact that he's day-to-day is huge. Is he day-to-day, though? It's a groin, t- it's a groin injury, man. That's, that's, yeah. It takes a while to get over that. Remember how long Pascal was out for that? And then, he, you know, even last year, like, he was the, the player since the – groin injury has not been the same yeah no I, I mean i always get a bit suspect with lakers injury news mm. 
and, and how much uh, part of that is creating a narrative and wow <laughs> wow so i i think ad will be all right um okay i think uh i i i do think we will get the lakers uh clippers matchup uh eventually and so i would pick the lakers to come out of that mm. Just you know, even though the Clippers are back on track, those first two games, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't bode well um, in terms of my belief in them. So yeah, I, I think the Lakers are still coming out the West. Okay, I would agree I just, with you. It's, it's too much LeBron though, man. I can't bet against him. Yeah, I know, and it's fair. It's not even like it's a bias. Like it's it's what the evidence has said is don't ever bet against LeBron. Um, it's just not going to be working in your favor. <laughs> Um, by the way, I think yeah. the champion is coming out of the East this year, not out of the West. It's gonna, I think the, the titles are turning East. Um, I, I honestly like a lot more of the East teams than the West teams at the moment because they're mostly all banged up. But, uh, you know, I hate to say this, man. I'm really going to look like a clown. I'm really out here talking, you know, nicely about the Bucks oh, snap. and the Clippers. No, you know what, though? I, honestly, I if, but coming into this, um, into the playoffs, I really did like the way the Clippers are playing. Obviously, the first two games, plus the first half, the first quarter, I guess, of game three against uh, Dallas was looking real, real shaky. But, I mean, it's I, you know, the thing is, I, it's the same way you can't bet against LeBron. I can't bet against playoff Kawhi, man. Like, look at what Kawhi is doing right now. It's absurd how good he is. Yeah. He has no weaknesses ever, anywhere, man. And this guy's a robot. And he's playing 40 minutes and looking, like, mostly healthy again. So No, he's, he's back to playing at that insane level um yeah and it's it's cool that like he kind of recognized right like his his narrative was kind of on the line a little bit if, if they went yep. out in the first round um and if they went down 3-0 the way that game three started out like he he had to come through and he did come through and so now we got a whole new series hopefully we get that clippers lakers series man because mm. I, th- I think the other oh, thing you look at too is the way Doncic has been able to sort of pick apart the the Clippers defense. Like, just think about what LeBron's going to do. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. LeBron is very hard to assess right now. It feels like he's two players. There's like a very like pedestrian version of LeBron. And then, of course, like playoff LeBron. But playoff yeah. LeBron used to be like every single game. And now like playoff LeBron is like half the games. Yeah. He's, you know I mean, and like yeah. even an average game for LeBron, you you can't even tell because it'll be like 25, 6, 10 rebounds, two steals, and you're like, oh, come on, he played great. And you watch the game and it's like very different. But no, he's he's definitely in that phase of his career where he has to like even load manage in the playoffs. Yes. Like initially it was like, okay, I can go hard, you know, for 70 games of the regular season. Then it went down to 60. Then it went down to 50. Then it, And then you get the playoff LeBron. Then it's like, okay, you know, we don't need this game as much. Kyrie, you go off. Kevin Love, you go off. That type of thing. Hmm. And and now it's like, all right, man. When it's when it's an adverse situation, yeah. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> He's really like a like a parent. Like, it's like, yo, all right. You guys, you guys go figure this out. If you really need me, call me. I'll yeah. You up. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, actually, I, I do think LeBron leaving the East has has hurt that in the sense because he didn't have to go full out Le- like super, 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 super all time, maybe the greatest player of all time, LeBron, all the time in the East. Like he would have to do that like one or two series, but that's about yeah. it. 
And, you know, look, listen, the amount of times he load managed against the Raptors. <laughs> I hate saying this, but <laughs> it's true. All right. Lo- my last question about the playoffs before we move on to Canada um, and, and the Canada basketball roster. Um, champion, West or East? I'm already saying it right now, the champs coming out of the East. Uh, who do you have? I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. I, I, I feel about the Bucks the way you do about the Clippers. So. That's unfortunate, man. This this whole podcast is invalid just based on that alone. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just move on to Canada basketball, man. I can't, I can't believe this is what we're saying two years after the title. This is unbelievable, man. It's just, I'm disgusted with the, with the state of affairs. We're going to have to literally talk about a different sport soon. <laughs> so, all right, let's talk about yeah, Canada. Man, we'll be doing it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we, we, can't, we didn't switch up. This is, this is, this is on brand for us. Okay, so um, Canada basketball, uh, the men's roster has been released. Training camp, 21 uh, players. Um, I believe 14 of them uh, in the NBA and a, a number of them obviously playing overseas. And I didn't know Anthony Bennett was uh, not playing anywhere because um, I didn't realize that until I saw that he, that he was listed as unattached in terms of club, mm. which is uh, interesting um, this way to say single, I guess. Um, <laughs> he's just emotionally unattached. Uh, in any case, though, um, probably the most talent the rap or the, the Canada basketball has put together um, on a training camp roster at one time. There are some ab- absences. Like I think Shea is, is not on here. Um, he had a plantar fascia injury. So, you know, okay. So he's, and he's also up for an extension. So, you know, I, I, he, he, he's not on the list. Chris Boucher is not on the list. Yeah, he, think, he heard his I team. think the thing that sucks with Shea is when he put out his message, he yeah. said that he's out for Canada for the summer. Yeah. Like initially I was hoping, oh, okay, you know, maybe he's just taking extra time. He's, he's skipping the qualifying tournament, but maybe he'll be there for the Olympics. Mm. But that message sounds like he's just not going to be available at all. Yeah. Which, you know, I think there was some hope that like, okay, so OKC is just holding guys out because they're tanking. But um, if that's a, if that's a more serious injury, I, I hope he's okay, honestly, because yeah. he's a very fun player to watch. Boucher is not on this list. That was a little surprising, quite honestly. Um but he wants to get his knee fully right. And it's, you know, he wants to be good for next season as well. So, okay. He's probably honestly heard enough of Nick Nurse's D League stories. You know, he's, he's, been, <laughs> he's been in the D League. He's already been in Mississauga. He's, he's all right. He's, he's heard all the stories about eating at the Tim Hortons beside, um, or going to Shoeless Joe's beside the Hershey Center. <laughs> he doesn't want to hear that. So, um, with this roster that's out, uh, what are some things that stand out to you? Like, is, is there, is there, a, a notable weakness is there a notable strength what are your thoughts on this 20-man uh, roster that uh, was released for a training camp well as it is we obviously we got to see when it gets trimmed down to 12 what's what's available for canada but as is talent is going to be a strength when you look at okay. who they'll be going up against greece will likely be without Giannis. Um, and then they've got China to deal with, and then the other teams. I'm just, I'm just going to be here to tell you right now that it's a 40 point slot. <laughs> <laughs> I will be on that roster. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you won't find my name on there. It'll be my real name. <laughs> You're not going to see William. <laughs> oh, anyway, man. yeah. So that's that's yeah. Good and, and then you look at some of the other teams, like the Czech Republic. Like I, I think Canada will clearly have the best talent in that qualifying tournament. And so I would expect them to come out of it. Like you look at the Knicks are on the verge of being out. The Grizzlies are on the verge of being out. So you expect, you know, Brandon Clark and Dylan Brooks and RJ Barrett to be available. So I think that's, you know what? I'm not sure Brandon Clark makes the roster. 
He might not. He might not. There, yeah. The, yeah, there's a chance that happens. Uh, if the Mavs go on to lose in the first round, Dwight Powell is available. Um, so I think that that gets interesting. Yeah, the bigs, you know, that's the one thing I look at. I'm like, man, you look yeah, at got, Kelly Olynyk, Dwight Powell, Tristan Thompson, Ken Birch, Brandon Clark. Like, maybe Chris Boucher was looking at that and be like, hey, man, you know, I'm cool. <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. He's like, I'm good. I was already third string with, with Nick Nurse last year. Yeah. Like, I don't need to do this again. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, what stood out to you? You know, I, obviously the talent is is very good. I think the fit is going to be a little bit of a problem. I'm So a couple of guys were surprised not to make the, the cut. Um, and I don't know the situation, so I'm not even making any judgments or, you know, whether on Canada basketball side or the player side. But like, like Kyle Wilcher, for example, has been mm. really, really good. I mean, um, he's a guy off the bench who can give you like 20 points in a game easily. Like He had a 33-point game, I think, last time in the yeah. tournament and like whatever man the FIBA, the world cup was was really terrible and like the, the roster was really bad it was like a lot of like last second additions like i remember like they brought in a guy like on the eve of playing like he flew from spain to china which is like a huge time difference and a long flight and then like the next game he was playing and it, like it's it's tough right um hey shout out mark going back to back man shout out mark going back to back man that that was uh yeah I hope that Mark, was the summer of Mark. Like that was absolutely that the summer was... of Mark, man. I think I was crushing. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, because I think he was like training camp was like right afterwards. I don't know, man, but that that man came in and just has been putting up like uh, single doubles ever since. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> but no, no. Listen, that's the way to go out. If you win two championships, you can put up single doubles forever. It doesn't really yeah. matter, man. Um, I, I just I feel like there's a sh- a shortage of shooting on this team. Like in terms of like the way I would structure this roster, I think obviously <laughs> shooting is going to be very important, obviously in all levels of basketball, especially in international basketball. There is uh, usually more physicality. There is usually more, um, it's a lot difficult, a lot more difficult to dominate in the paint. So you're going to need a lot of shooting to open it up. Kelly, you know, I really trust that he, he will be able to deliver, although he is also a free agent this year. So like, you know, but I, I Kelly's track record, he's been there all the time with this amount of talent. I think he's going to be there. Kelly would be the starter for me um, in, in the front court. I honestly think O'Shea, based on the way he's developed his shot, should really be in consideration here. I don't think he was a guarantee to make this roster in previous months, but mm-hmm. the way he finished the season, I mean, the jumper looks really good, the athleticism. Um, I think you need him on the roster. And, and you know, again, the strength is definitely in their defense. They have a lot of guys who can really guard. They have a lot of size. Um, I, I trust Tristan Thompson. You know, I think Wiggins has made some steps this year. Uh, Corey Joseph. That trio, very right? Wiggins, Dort, and Dylan Brooks. Like, to be able to have yeah. those three uh, on the wings defensively, I think is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. The other thing I'll point out is I think Corey Joseph is going to end up being really important. Yeah. He always, he always low, bro, every single time, just pencil Corey Joseph into the roster, man. He's, <laughs> he's definitely going to play. Now, maybe if they had Jamal and they had Shea, yeah, then it's is- like okay, you know, but no, nah, he's definitely on the roster for sure. He's but, like maybe the first name on the roster. I'm not gonna lie. And you look at the guards; like he's the only true point guard with experience. Like yeah. the only other true point guard really is Andrew Nembhard. Yeah, which I like, but I mean, which, you know, he's very young, right? He's very young, yeah. So I think, especially you know, in the FIBA format, understanding the physicality, understanding how the calls can go, like I think Corey is going to be really important for that run. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that the the guard position is a little bit shaky in terms of like who can get inside and create. 
But again, like I, I do think that you can offset that with the fact that you have playmakers like Kelly. You have honestly Wiggins is a playmaker as well. Um, you know, again, this might sound unsexy in terms of like if you're thinking about an NBA sort of framework, but I think as an international framework, like I, the expectation was already that they should win the tournament, especially since it's being held um, in Victoria and they bid a lot of money for it. But like, I think especially if this turnout actually translates and goes to play, like they should absolutely come out of this tournament. The only team I'm really worried about for me is, is uh, Turkey. Mm. But even with Turkey, like, I feel like, you know, going off Turkey, Turkish teams in the past, a lot of post play, a lot of bigger guys, um, you know, they have some yeah. feisty wings, I guess. Like they have, I guess, Furkan Korkmaz, but he might not even be available to play considering the Sixers probably going to the conference finals. So he's out. Yeah. Chetty, Chetty well, Osman. You got Raptors killer Ersan Ilyasova. I mean, he's 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 playing with um, the Jazz, right? So he might not play. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I, I, to be fair, like the, most of their talent is in the front court. So I think the Raptors have the or the Raptors team team Canada has the the talent. It's the same in the front it's the court. It's gonna be the same. It's the same, bro. They're coached by Nick Nurse. It's it's unbelievable. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, man. I really I really like I like this roster, and I think honestly they'll probably bring in a, a usual group of. Um, international players as well. I think you, I think Melvin Edgem is uh, is a guy who's going to contribute to this to this group. I'm surprised yep. Kevin Pangos wasn't on this list, especially with the shortage of guards. I feel like they could have really used Pangos, but yeah, yeah. I think I think I read that he's a free agent this summer, so yeah, maybe right. there was you know yeah. probably wants to get that sorted. Yeah. If there's one surprise uh, player that's going to make the final twelve out of this list that people might not necessarily think would, would make that final 12, who would it be for you? Um, would people consider Anthony Bennett a surprise? Yes, absolutely. So, <clears throat> yeah, I think he has a shot. Yeah. I think, uh, what was it? The FIBA Americas games that happened a couple months ago yep. where he looked pretty good. Yeah. And contributed, so I, I think he has a shot. Um, might have a few of those coaches who were involved there in his corner as well. Yeah. Uh, probably part of why he made this initial twenty-one list. I mean, that'd be an awesome so, story. So I think he's a wild card that I'd throw into the mix. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, I wouldn't expect you know uh, Andrew Nicholson to make it. I'd be honestly with the way that his season has gone, Trey Lyles like not playing, like I'd be surprised if he made it as well. So right. even though, you know, prototypically like he's a guy that can stretch the floor and offer you some size, but um, he just hasn't been good enough. Yeah. I'm going with Michael Mulder as uh, my pick. I just think that like they need shooting. They need guys who play off ball. There's a lot of guys on this right. list that play on ball. Um, yeah. They need an off ball shooter. And yeah, if they don't reach into the talent pool to get like a Kyle Wiltshire or whatever, like I think Michael will probably make the list. And it'd be mm-hmm. a great story because again, this guy's really made a name for himself, man. So yeah, yeah, no, it'd be interesting if he makes it because if you're picking a roster at twelve, you're probably going what four guards at least. Yeah, and at least four so guards. you got you got Barrett, Joseph, Brooks, Nikhil, Alexander Walker. Yeah, that's probably going to be the competition. I think probably Nikhil. Michael Mulder and Andrew Nemhart for that final guard spot. Maybe they take five guards, yeah. kind of honestly, because you know the way Nick Nurse likes to play, he likes to play with more guards. That's true, but yeah, I mean, this, okay. So, what would the starting five be, just on paper right now? Assuming everyone's available, everyone's good, everyone's healthy. 
I'd have Corey at the point. Yep. Uh, RJ playing the two. Okay. Uh, Wiggins playing the three. I think the way size is in FIBA, mm. Dort can play the four. Dort plays the four. Okay. Uh, so no Brooks for you in the starting five. No. Wow. I I, I love I love him as a spark, a spark plug. So uh, I think him coming off the bench could really you know uh, be solid off the bench. Uh, does RJ's play this year? Does it not worry you just a little bit in the playoffs right now? What are you doing? But but that's kind of why I want him out on the floor with Corey. Like I don't okay, want him okay, being fair. the lead guy off the bench. Fair fair okay cool. Um, and then and then yeah Kelly Olynyk at the five because you need that shooting Word. with those other four. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think it would be very flexible. And I would, um, and it's only four games, by the way, the play in tournament. Um, uh, it's, yeah, they got to win four games. If they win all four, they're good. Um, they go to the Olympics for the first time in 21 years. Um, but I could also see them starting a little bit bigger as well. Um, like, I think Kelly could play four. I think, honestly, the way Ken Birch played both with Team Canada last or uh, two years ago and mm-hmm. uh, with the Raptors this year and his familiarity with, with Nick Nurse, I could see yeah. Kem starting. But it could be also Tristan Thompson starting. Um, but yeah, I would agree with you. I think Wiggins. I, and honestly, for me, I would I would bring Barrett off the bench, um, and I would put Dylan Brooks in there. I just think he's just showed so much leadership in that role. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's an interesting. One. I, I don't know that there's a wrong choice there. Yeah, um, I think it could go either way. Yeah. No, it's gonna be fun, man. I mean, I'm looking forward to uh, to covering this, as I'm sure you are as well. And lastly, we've come to this point in the podcast where we got to talk soccer or football, really. <laughs> um, so the Euros are coming up two weeks from now. Yep, pretty wild. I'm very excited for me. I mean, look, listen. I nothing against obviously the World Cup is the World Cup. Like it's nothing comes close to it. But in terms of like just pure quality of football, like I feel like Euros as an international tournament is still probably the highest for me. And I know that's huge disrespect to lots of teams missing from South America in particular, right? And, and you know, yeah. Uruguay, Colombia, Brazil, Argentina, Chile has been great recently as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's huge disrespect. Even Venezuela, you know, uh, some decent talent there. But I, d- I just think the Euros, there's just, it's hard to find bad teams. Now, of course, this year they expanded the pool. So it is a little bit more watered down, but I mean, it's still like, yeah. I don't know, man, this is going to be really fun. I'm really looking forward to the Euros. Um, let's go group by group. How about that? Obviously six groups and we'll can pick which two teams within will yeah. come out of each group. So let's start with group A, Turkey, Italy, Wales, Switzerland. Honestly, um, I'm not sure who's the favorite in that group. I mean, you would probably say Italy on paper, but I, I haven't really been very impressed with Italy in international play for sometime now honestly yeah no i think that's fair i, I still think they make it out the group i think they'll uh and like i, I watched like italy's played the netherlands a couple times uh, okay. recently so and got the better of them so i i still like italy enough to make it through the group i think between turkey and wales um and switzerland it's going to be interesting for that Second spot, mm. I'll probably go with Turkey. Um, just because I feel like with Wales, like Gareth Bale, we never know mm. what his health status is and where he's going to be, obviously. Yeah. Um, he should be good, peak, though. But he's he, not there. He, he should be good to play. 
You would think. It should be. Yeah, he, he, was, yeah. he was all right this year with Spurs. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, I just feel like Turkey, like when it comes to these tournaments, they just have like a know-how to get it done. And yeah. They play really well as a group. Yeah. So I feel like I'll take my chances with them making it out. All right. Wow. Switzerland. I feel like Switzerland gets a lot of hype because I think they have surprising talent, but I don't know, man. It's. But who's, I mean, their best player now is what, Jaka? Yeah, or Shakiria, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have guys that you recognize maybe more than other teams, but like, I don't know. Like you Shakiria, like, like barely. Like Mbolo? Yeah. <laughs> The, oh yeah we've lost 90 percent of our listeners when i asked you if you like in bolo <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah i'll take a pass on switzerland okay i'll no, be wrong that's fair um all right group a yeah not not the most interesting group to be honest group b um denmark finland belgium russia belgium obviously is the, the class of this group yeah um not even close belgium has just absurd talent um, really like them as a, as a team. See how far they go. Obviously, Lukaku is really like, I mean, he's been amazing this year. Uh, found his form, absolutely. So uh, outside of Belgium, who's, who's, who's coming out of this group? Uh, so it's between Russia and Denmark for me. Okay. Um, and I'm going to go Denmark. Yeah. Uh, I think they'll be all right. I think... Again, I don't think they're a great team or anything, but I think they'll do enough. Um, they have Timo Buki, and so uh, Erickson is healthy. <laughs> yeah, we lost the other ten percent when we we said Timo Buki. <laughs> <laughs> Has he honestly outside of like the hot like month when um, when they came up? Like, has he still been good? I don't. I, I honestly feels like he hasn't really been in the spotlight as much. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been good enough. Yeah, good enough to get out of this group. Like it's uh, again after Belgium, it's like, you know, who do you really believe in? Um, so yeah, I'll take my chances with Denmark over Russia. Russia, yeah. had, Russia, had, uh, that home court advantage in 2018. So I'm not gonna get too crazy about that. Yeah, that's fair. I, I to be honest, I yeah, the Russian teams are. They're, they're, they're not that inspiring, quite honestly. I mean, it's not like Denmark is like a world beater, but you got Schmeichel on that. You know, the, it, it's not bad. I, I, I feel like they'd be disappointed if they didn't come out of this group. Okay, Group C, Netherlands, Ukraine, Australia, North Macedonia. Shout out North Macedonia for, for making it into this group, man. That's got to be the smallest country in this in this, um, in this this list. Um, obviously, you're a Netherlands fan. This is about as good of a draw as you could probably want. I mean, this is very yep. easy to get out of the group. Uh, who? I mean, I, I mean, even with Netherlands sometimes being disappointing, um, and I'm obviously saying that tongue-in-cheek a little bit, but, like, yeah, I mean, you guys will win this group. Who do you see as the biggest um, threat out of the other three? I honestly don't know if we win this group. <laughs> Bro, come on, man. Man, ever, ever since Frank DeBoer became the coach. Oh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Yo, play play the clip if you if, no actually look up uh look up what uh jose Mourinho said about him yeah exactly so all-time ethering <laughs> so yeah i'll take like austria 
Yeah, maybe Austria. Yeah. Bro, you guys are going to win this group. If you guys don't win this group, like, it's a real disaster. I, I understand the concerns about coaching, but, like, it, it, the, the golfing talent here is, is, is substantial. That's fair. All right. The Dutch win the group, but um, Australia will come through. Australia will come through. Yeah. No, this, this group sucks. All right. The, the last three groups are the best ones. Uh, group D, England, Croatia, Scotland, Czech Republic. Is this the year? Is this the year? Uh, for England, I mean, obviously, we just saw the roster announced squad. today. It's we not bad. Squad. It's yeah. a, it's a it's a really good squad. Um, I just don't know if I believe in them as much as their performance at the World Cup would suggest. Okay, like you look at their results overall, it wasn't spectacular, right? Um, no. Let me just pull it up. Like who they get past? They, um, they, uh, they, they definitely went to extra time. Um, but before that, it was like they beat Sweden. So what? They went to penalties against Colombia. Um, they lost to Belgium. Yep. They beat Panama. Who cares? So were they really like a semifinal team? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. But they have talent. They have a lot of young talent. I was going to say, they, they, they might have the second most attacking talent in this whole tournament, which is saying a lot, honestly. Yeah. Talent-wise, like, you look at France, you look at Portugal. Yeah, Portugal is up there too, but... And then, yeah, England would be right there. Mm. Is it their year, you think? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's so hard because I think... It's you're always so biased because I mean I don't know I mean I'm sure for you as well but like you just watch the prem more than you watch the other leagues like I definitely watch the prem more than the other leagues combined so yeah. like there's an easy there's a tendency to overrate some of the talent and of course like England obviously has a reputation for disappointing in the in you know they've obviously had golden generations before you look at like I mean like Lampard's goals Gerard you know like they've had lots of talent at the same time Beckham um, and they've fallen short but. I like this group. I like that they've gotten younger. Um, I think there's they're definitely one of the most athletic groups that they that you can see here. And um, the, my my main concern with them is really just like their defense and 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 who's in net because I you know as we talked before the pod like this is I don't trust any of their keepers at all. Yeah. Um, they're fine, but like you know you would preferably like someone who you can really fully trust in. In mm-hmm. that, and then in defense, like if, if Harry Maguire is not fully fit, like I really do feel like he's he's a bigger loss for them than maybe his reputation would suggest. Because I feel like half of England's goals were just him putting his giant head on a corner <laughs> or on a set piece. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like so, yeah, that's that's the other part of that World Cup, right? It was yeah. like so much of it was like set piece or bust. Oh yeah, I remember mm-hmm. reading a story and like somehow like uh, Gareth Southgate went to like watch. One of the games that were played, the NBA games that were played in Europe. Yeah. And he was like, wow, look at these guys working pick and rolls. Never seen this before. I'm going to try this in soccer. So he was running pick and rolls off the corner. And I was like, all right, man. Enough out of you. <laughs> Just, yeah, fine. You guys are good at set pieces. That's great. That's great. You guys are good guys who cross the ball. And Harry Maguire has a head bigger than everyone except me. But, like, um, you know, you don't have to talk about how see you how much he plays. Yeah, that's the thing, though, because if you don't have him, then, you know, you feel a lot less 
but I mean, damn, that attack is really enticing, man. Like, I honestly, they could take any three of those guys out of their attacking group, and like, they would be lethal to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Croatia, do you think that they they're second in this group? That they should be, honestly. I know they the, the core is getting older. Like their but... last hurrah with yeah. Modric. Yeah, it's hard to pick against them. But uh, that that's gonna be a fun group. I'm really looking forward to that one, to be honest. Because I think even even Scotland, like Scotland versus England, would be a fantastic match. Just off the just off the vibes alone. Mm. Um, and then Czech Republic, yeah, they they have some talent too. Um, group E: Spain, Sweden, Poland, Slovakia. I mean, Spain, they got to win, but they're also they're also a tad fraudulent at the moment. Can't even lie. They are. It's crazy. Did you see that stat that this is the first time in their history that they have zero Real Madrid players in their squad? Really? Yeah. Wait, how's that? Wow. Okay, let me look up. I got to pull up the Spanish roster because that seems seems absurd. I know Madrid wasn't like sensational, but like, come on, man. Um... No Isco, no Carvajal. Okay, I guess yeah, no, yeah, no, no Ramos as well. Yeah. By the way, with the expanded rosters, I felt like there was a case maybe Ramos could have played just as like a leader for the club. You know I think I mean? it was like, more like you just avoid the drama, where okay. it's like if he's going to be in the squad, there's there's going to be that media pressure that he has to like start kind of thing, and it's like it's almost better to just not have him in the squad. Okay, that's my theory. Hmm. That's amazing though. That's that's actually that's actually incredible. Um, but yeah, Spain. I mean, yeah, they should win the group. They should win the group. Who do you like better, Sweden or Poland? I uh, I, I, like I, like, I, I mm, yeah, I mean, that's a fair question to ask. I, I think I still will probably go with Poland. I think like you just look mm-hmm. at the form that Lewandowski was in all year. Um. But I don't, I don't know, man. This is a very balanced group outside of Spain, and even Spain. Like I, again, like it, I know it's Spain, and like you know, but you look at the roster; it's not as as stacked as you would normally expect out of a Spanish roster. Like, no, it's not. It's not. Look at their, but even, they should even still. their midfield. Their midfield looks mad slow, right? I mean, I love Thiago, right? I think he'll probably feature, but like Sergio, like you, you got Busquets, you got you got Rodri, Coke, Pedri. Like these are good names, but like. It, Together, I feel like it's a little bit uninspiring. Even Fabian Ruiz, and then, I mean, I don't know, man. Who's going to be the striker for them? Like this team has real issues, man. It's, it's going to be Morata, isn't it? Uh, I mean, Moreno, like he scored thirty goals for Villarreal this season. So okay, yeah, this is uh... tough to leave them out. But yeah, they're they're not. No one's. I don't think anyone's picking them to actually win it. No, no this is a pretty uninspiring group. They um, might just put Adama Traore and bully some people. Honestly, I, I wish they would. He, he's like the only injection of pace they have in this group. Yeah, man, like, he's just gonna carry the ball up himself, and everyone will be like forty yards behind. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's tough. Also, who, who? So, who's even in net? 
Like it can't be the hair, right? It's it's probably gonna be the hair, but like as a United. No, fan, I think it's the hair. I think it's the hair. Wow. Where are you with the hair, by the way, at this point? After um, I feel I feel bad for him that he got really shit on for doing for failing at something that it's not even his job. It's not his job to take a, a penalty kick. Like it's not. It's not his yeah. fault. Like, was, you know what I mean? But. Where do you where do you stand? Obviously, For me, obviously, I, I go back to like that game never should have gone to penalties if you're United. Yeah, like, absolutely. You think about Villarreal finished seventh in La Liga. Mm-hmm. United before the finals, they absolutely dominated Real Sociedad, who finished fifth. They absolutely dominated Granada, who finished ninth. Like it should not have been that close. Yeah, and so there's there's a lot that went wrong in the first 120 minutes, and then like you know when. Two teams combined to go 21 for 22 in the shootout. Like, mm-hmm. it's just tough. So, De Gea, I think he's been good. Obviously, I don't think he's, you know, what he used to be. Yeah. But I I still think in terms of the competition between him and Dean Henderson, like, I don't know who the better keeper is. I think Henderson is trusted more. Okay. Um, But... I think the biggest issue for De Gea now is the fact that he just probably makes too much money. And so you can't validate like potentially having Henderson as the number one and then De Gea making, was it like 350K a week right. as backup? So, okay, this is probably the most reasonable take I've heard. Because <laughs> I feel like people, I mean, especially after that game, like people were just ready to throw him off the boat. And it's not the first time, obviously. It's not like people are turning out De Gea right now, but. Stop, I, yeah, I don't that, get man. that. Right? He I was at the club. Him. He's been at the club for 10 years and he's been a legend pretty much until like the world cup in 2018. Yeah. Like that's when things started to go South for him. But like he was United player of the year four times. Yeah. My bro, he carried you guys for yeah. you know, entire seasons when, you know, the actual outfield players were kind of ass. So. so yeah, I accept that, you know, he's probably not the ideal number one option. But I like based on what I've seen from Henderson, I don't think he's like a dream number one option either. So are you guys like, gonna sign a keeper? Or, like, is this a situation? That's where what I'm saying. Like, if, if it were up to me, I'd almost like rather sign like Donnarumma. Wow, <laughs> and make him the number one. I mean, he's he's pretty good. He is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I think he's better than both those guys. And then you just you know you probably get a, a rid of De Gea because. Uh, his wages are too high, but then you've got a problem with Henderson because he won't be happy to be the number two. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, I, I also feel a little bit leery about playing up, paying up a, a huge transfer fee for a keeper as well. Just because, like, you got to get it right. Like, like you don't, you don't want to keep a situation. I'm not saying Donnarumma is like a Kepler kind of situation. I think he's more But I think Donnarumma's contract is up, if is I'm it? not mistaken. Oh, word. Okay. Well, in that case, then, yeah. Yeah. Um, group F: Hungary, Portugal, France, Germany. This is the group of death in this, in this entire tournament, um, because Portugal, France, and Germany should all absolutely be going into uh, the next round, and not just you know potentially yeah. getting out in the group stage. I think like I think third places are going to play each other. There's going to be some. There's going to be a way all three teams advance. Uh, but I just feel <laughs> I feel bad for Hungary. As the as the fourth team in this group, these three teams are very very good. Obviously, I think France is the best team, um, probably in the world. Uh, obviously, they they won the World Cup. Um, 
but and, and like they're just as talented as if not more talented than before i think you you see what mbappe's been doing um it's france like they have great talent but portugal and germany obviously are also great 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 franchises um uh, yeah i mean I love how, that you how do you them. pick this group <laughs> Where's the it man? feels weird to be like they're just they're great countries you know what i mean like it feels a little weird to just be like yes i, I guess they are also great countries but yeah yeah in any case yeah germany i feel like they'll be so eager to bounce back from mm-hmm. getting knocked out in the first round in the 2018 world cup mm-hmm. so they're gonna be really hungry yeah. but nope no pun intended um okay portugal portugal talent-wise like, bro, look at Cristiano. don't sleep on the Portuguese, man. Please don't, Fernandes. please do not sleep on them. Yeah, defensively, like yep. they've got okay. a lot. You even mentioned uh, Diogo Jota, exactly. The best sub, the best sub in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that is going to be a tough team to beat, man. Honestly. Is, You're yeah. right. France is probably going to win the group, but in terms of who finishes second, it's like impossible. Like that, that basically is going to be that game between Germany and Portugal. Yeah. Um, and who knows? Maybe they just draw that game, and then it comes down to goal difference against Hungary. Oh, I was going to say Hungary might finish the tournament with like Aaron Baines plus minus. <laughs> <laughs> it, might, it might be like a minus twenty. Like it's not going to be minus twenty, but uh, it, it, it'll be bad. Aaron Baines just. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah no this is- okay so between between portugal and germany who do you like better to win the tournament um okay my that- issue with, i don't like germany's like strike uh, options as striker right yeah. and like whatever man they have like an absurd midfield like it's really hilarious looking at this list right now man um but I just don't feel like they have that, like the number nine, who you can funnel everything towards and like having them score. Like obviously, like that's the thing with with with, with Portugal is like even even if the the depth of the roster isn't as great, like the the way Ronaldo can play at an international tournament, we see him just carry teams, like just carry Portugal through. I mean, like they literally won the Euros last time, right? So, um, but he doesn't even have to do that anymore. Like that's yeah, I know. You got Ruben Diaz in the back. You got Bruno. To support, you got Yao Felix. Yeah. So. No, this is I, honestly like I like Portugal a lot. Like I really wish they weren't in this group. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is tough. Yeah, no, this is gonna be like yeah, again. This is gonna be a killer, killer. I mean, we're gonna have to do react pause just for this. No, we might have to, man. Honestly, it's uh. But the thing is, like you know, even France, like I, as a French like supporter, like um. It makes you worry because, again, like you, you just have one strange result, and somehow you might have to be fighting for your life. You, it might be like a Lakers in this, in the, having to play the play-in tournament kind of situation. That's, that's the problem. That's the problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's it's, it's, it's like it's football. Like you, you know, you can lose a random one nothing, or like you can shout out Benzema finally being back. Yo, salute Benzema being back, man! Finally, I mean, to be honest, like it. I mean, whatever. France was is always spoiled for talent. Like you could probably put together the B team for France, and like they'll probably come in like fourth. Um, yeah. But yeah, no man, definitely, um, definitely the swaggiest player of the, uh, maybe in all of football, man. 
when you got like highlight videos of just you living like your 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 lifestyle off the off the pitch, not even just like highlights on the pitch. Just like like highlight I keep seeing highlight videos of just like Benzema the way he lives. <laughs> and like him stepping out of planes and like him in the you know Mediterranean. I'm sure like most players live like this, but damn, it's it's that's yeah. really an incredible flex. But yeah, I don't know, man. So okay, who's your pick to who's who's give me a one, two, three uh, in this tournament? I, I I obviously I'm picking France to win. Um, but I'm I'm curious to see where you're going in terms of the second and third best teams in, in Europe. Yeah. So favorites to win, I would say France, number one. Yeah. Um, Portugal, I think are two. Oh, two. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the crazy thing about this group, man. Like, mm. bro, this could be just I mean, one, two, three. Like <laughs> Germany could very well be the third best team in this tournament. <laughs> yeah. um, let's see. Number three is interesting. Yeah. I will say England. I know you want it. No, I definitely no. don't want it. Wow. You know what? I'm, I'm going to say if KDB is healthy, I'm going to say Belgium. Mm. I mean, I, I see that. Yeah. They do have an absurd amount of talent. Yeah. Yeah. Lukaku's yeah. playing amazing. You know? Yeah. Oh, look at this team. Because then, like you could, you could kind of like you could maybe put England above Italy, but then are they necessarily above Croatia? Like we'd have to see that play out. Yeah, Spain maybe. So like all those other teams are the maybes, but I feel like France, Portugal, and Belgium probably have like the biggest expectations. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Belgium is a good call too, just because I think that they'll have no problems going out the group and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. What about you? What's your big three? I got France number one. I think. I mean, that's not even a bias. Like France, like it's ridiculous. Like they have, look at the midfield, look at their striking options. They got Mbappe, they got Kante, they got. All know. Kante does is win, man. The dude well, is exactly year after year. No, oh, it, yeah. that that talent is it, it's it again. It's just too it's too stacked. Um, just just Paris alone can probably win the, the World Cup. Um, number two for me, I honestly like. I, I I like this Belgium side as well. I want to see them go far. Like you just look at their attacking options. You got Hazard, Mertens, Lukaku. Like that's that's dangerous. They got a lot of pace in this this team as well. Um, I yeah, like I I could see them finishing second. And honestly, I, I I'm starting to buy into the England hype just a little bit, just because I really do feel like it's going to be very very hard stopping them from scoring. Like I understand I, again. Like I, I know they're not the most defensively sound group, but mm-hmm. man, the attacking f- options going forward, like even just going from like the, the options, the, the depth of options they have at wing back, uh, even in the attacking midfielders that they have, and then again, this, the front three is gonna be, you know, just crazy. So it's good. I'll say England comes uh, thirds. It's not gonna happen, but uh, <laughs> I would love to see the reaction. Honestly, I just. I like seeing these like huge fan bases coming with expectations. Like, you know, like it's like the Leafs or like the Knicks, for example. Like, That's true. Oh man, the Leafs. Oh, uh, bro. That's tough. I really wanted to hop on the bandwagon this year. I really, really wanted to, but what can you really do, man? Like, I don't, I don't know. I, how much hockey do you watch? Uh, none whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> My roommate was watching Game Seven, so I watched that for a little bit with him. But 
So that was that was about it, man. That was that yeah. was the most hockey I've watched maybe since uh, Crosby scored that golden goal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but it actually has been really like I, I feel bad because I do have obviously a lot of friends um, who are Leafs fans. So I, to them, I really do feel bad for them. But like, yeah, it, it's actually hilarious the way they like they've lost in the first round eight times now in a row. They've blown multiple three one leads. Um, this time to a team that was much supposed to be much worse than the Leafs. It, it's it's actually unbelievable. Like you, you, we might just have to like salt the earth and just like just let everything go. Like we might have to move the Leafs to like you know uh, honestly they should be playing a downs view for the foreseeable future. I don't this even is this is where that. I'm like <laughs> don't don't compare these Leafs to the Kyle and Demar Raptors. They got out yeah. the round plenty of times. They yeah, went exactly. to the conference finals. Don't compare Mitch Marner who scored zero goals. In a playoff game to Bro, why, why like, every single time the camera panned to him on, on on like the bench or whatever or the penalty box this guy was always like like on the verge of breaking down like i feel bad for them like i really do obviously sports yeah. is very emotional and like but like that doesn't inspire confidence man nope so that's tough I, I, again i feel I, I feel really bad for least fans my dad's a least fan i called him last night to check if he was okay he was like you know this is what it is uh, he's not that emotionally invested but um, he has still watched them consistently for like 10 years. And yeah, man, since I've come to Canada, like actually my, you know, my brother's like 19. He's turning 19 this, in August. Like he's literally, All seen, right. he's, he's seen one playoff series win in his life. <laughs> and he didn't even see it. He was like a year old, but it happened. <laughs> so this is tough, man. That's rough. Yeah. But hey, that's why we have the Raptors. This is, oh God. Yeah, the Raptors really played the whole freaking year in Tampa, finished 18 games under 500, and we might feel the best about them out of any team. Maybe the maybe the Jays, <laughs> maybe the Jays. I don't know. They're a little bit, you know, they've had injuries and they're they're playing in Tampa themselves, but like, or they're playing in Florida themselves. But yeah, it's tough, man. Are we back to the dark days of sports in Toronto? Like, is this is what we're left with. Oh man, I hope not. Yeah, like I, you know, I wasn't like a huge fan of other sports, but I did support the Toronto teams because I'm from here. But like, I remember just like looking forward to April every year because I was like, okay, there's a chance where all three teams, you know, might play on the same day and they might win on the same day. And I think it hasn't happened in like a decade at least. And there's only like a month of crossover every year, but yeah. And now even even TFC is not good. It's tough, man. Yeah, that situation with the manager is interesting. Armas is an interesting dude. Hey, so what's going on with TFC? Let me fill, fill me in with. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I'm, I'm too snobby to watch MLS, but um, I would like TFC to do well. I mean, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair. That's fair. But yeah, my buddy Michael Singh, who covers the team, uh, I kind of just read his updates from time to time. So okay. seems like they have some formation issues, and he's mm. Armas seems like he's trying to galaxy brain the media into like what he's doing. And he's sure. like. He's like comparing himself to Pep. Okay, word. All right, That's, we've gone too far, man. TFC <laughs> is twelfth in the table. That's not good in the East. No, that is not good. Wow, one win, two draws, four losses. Yikes! Yikes! That's that's not great, man. Anyway, but yeah, I, I can't. Basically, I can't... it seems like right now he's trying to just pick who he thinks are the best players to play regardless of position and just he feels like they'll figure it out as opposed to just playing the best fit. 
And then when he was asked about it, he was like, well, Pep plays all midfielders and it works for him. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. That is a tough thing to say, man. They have five points. Is there? I mean, there's no relegation, but they, I mean, you know, like that that's where they would be. They're being the relegation zone right now. What's going on, man? Damn. Oh, God. Yeah. No, this is no, seriously. This is just this is the thing with Toronto. It's like if if you are a sports fan, like you really just gotta like cherish the small bits of uh, happiness. And it's all come from the Raptors. So that's why we have yeah. our, this podcast. So well, V, I've held you long enough, man. We've talked about every sport in existence. Um, you wanna touch on the, the French open? No, I'm kidding, but yeah there's no canadians uh, i mean leila fernandez is only a canadian left in the singles uh what happened with bianca this year that uh just just hasn't really what's going on like i felt like she hasn't haven't heard her name as much well she didn't she didn't have the ideal prep for the clay season because um initially she was she got to the final of the miami open which is a hard court tournament Mm -hmm. And then she got injured in that final. Uh, she like messed up her ankle. Um, and then she was out and then she was ready to come back and she was supposed to play a couple of tournaments, but when flying to, if I remember correctly, it was Rome. Uh, after she got there, she had an inconclusive test. Oh, right. Right. I saw that. Uh, yeah. That's tough. And so by the time she was good to go, like she couldn't play the tournament. And so she played like two matches before the French open. And then, and then, yeah, she didn't play great. She didn't play well. Uh, she probably should have won that even based off like the couple matches she played leading up to it. Cause like she looked good there, she, but she did, she just didn't show up for this first round match. That's tough. Who you got winning it both sides. Uh, women's, I'm going to pick Iga Swiatek. I mean, she's a defending champ and she looks incredible. Like in the lead up to this, she she won uh, another tournament like 6-1, 6-love in the final. Okay. That's pretty good. <clears throat> That's <laughs> and pretty that was good. like another top 10 player in the world. It wasn't like she'd be a nobody. Uh so yeah, I'm going to I'm going to pick her as the favorite to win. On the women's side, and then the men's side, it's just automatic, man. It's, it's yeah. Nadal until he dies on clay, bro. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know why I asked, to be honest. <laughs> Honestly? Yeah. No, it, it's actually been really incredible watching all these athletes, like, continue to be, like, incredible for so long. Like, it's the prime for every athlete now is, like, way longer than you would ever think. As compared Extended, to yeah. And the thing is, like, it's not like Nadal's that old. He's 34. He just, like, started playing early and started dominating really early. But, like. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh... no. I'll give you a good answer about that in terms of just like the work that he puts in. He did, yeah. Like, there's just that belief, right? Now that mm-hmm. as long as you put in the work and you you respect, you know, the science, the the sports science, and you just follow, you know, a good diet and good exercise routines, like you can extend your prime. And yeah. you think about before where athletes would have been like, okay, I I got only a very, like an extremely finite amount of time to make my money. Mm-hmm. now you know they have a greater opportunity so why not yeah no I, I think the technology aspect of it is just like it's it's incredible like the, the advances in like dieting um for a lot of these athletes um the yeah. kind of therapy that they're, they're able to get now like wasn't there a story that came out a couple of years ago where kyle like has like 
was like LeBron definitely had like a hyperbaric chamber like in this van that he traveled with or something like that. <laughs> like, bro, what are we talking about, man? You're telling me LeBron just like goes like he, he finishes the game and then he just hops into his like a Batmobile essentially. <laughs> and he's preserving his body for the next like 48 hours until he has to play again. That's insane. Yeah. You know? The man spends seven figures on his body alone. Yeah. And it's definitely worth it, man. So I mean, yeah, yeah, it's tough. That's tough. I probably spent seven dollars on my body, so you know it's uh, relatively proportionate, I guess. I just, I just want to go outside. Yo, I just want to go outside. That's no, seriously all I want to do is kick a soccer ball around with like maybe five other people on my side. <laughs> just I want to play five aside, maybe seven aside. You know, that's about yeah. it. And yeah. a little bit of basketball, just about my own. And that's it. And get a haircut. That's it. That's all I'm asking for. If we can do that safely as a as, as a as a as a province, I would very yeah. very much like that. But uh, unfortunately, it's still it's still tough for us. Okay. All right. V. Thanks for coming on the pod as always. Um, you've been doing a lot recently, man. Let people know what you've been doing. Oh, usual stuff. CBC Sports, uh, Complex Canada. Um, I will mention leading up to the. Canada Olympic qualifiers. I will have a feature coming out on Melvin Edgem, so you can look okay, out nice. for that. Nice. nice. Um, and besides that, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Uh, we'll still have the Red Couch Manx soccer podcast going. We'll do some uh, off-season content. We'll talk about the Euros. We'll uh, review players and whatnot. Uh, so if you're a United fan, if you're a soccer fan, you can check that out. And Will, shout out to you, man, because What's going on? We tried to recap every single match. Um, and obviously, you were a guest. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, like, I've always respected the fact that you've been able to do the Raptors recap, the Raptors reaction for every game. Mm-hmm. But to actually experience it myself, to do the United game and recap it after every single match is a mission and a half, man. Yeah. And the fact that you've been doing it season after season after season is incredible. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 maybe a little bit easier with basketball. I think mm. just because the the time zone is a little bit more amicable. Like, what else are you really doing at like <laughs> eleven eleven p.m.? Whereas, like, I mean, the commitment to watching all the United games, they'll they'll play at like fucking seven a.m. They'll play at like you know what I mean. So the time zone yeah. difference, like, that's a little harder. It's like in the middle of your day, and it just disrupts your day, but. No, it's a big investment, man. But no, but you guys do a great job, honestly. Like, I, I, again, like I'm not even, um, I, I, I don't even like United, but I, I'll listen to you guys, like, just because you man. know you guys know, um, you guys know, uh, you guys know footy. So, all right, well, that does it for the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, I'll be back later this week with a probably a Twitter mailbag, quite honestly, because there's not a lot going on basketball wise, um, at least for the Raptors. But uh, V, I appreciate you for coming on as always, and. Um, Yeah, check back later this week. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.